This is the MG Car Club Podcast. This week, MG's in Canada with Jeremy Holdsworth, plus news of an exciting event for 2022 in Ontario. The MG Car Club Podcast. Hello and welcome to another MG Car Club podcast, episode 66. Wayne Scott with you. Hope you're keeping well as we head into September already. Autumn's nearly upon us, but the motoring calendar doesn't seem to get any less busy, does it? Just this weekend, you could be either at Hampton Court Palace for the concourse there, or perhaps Salon Privé in Oxfordshire at Blenheim Palace, or maybe even you've been heading south for the Bewley Auto Jumble. Whatever you've been doing this weekend and into the first few weeks of September, I hope you're having a lovely one. And we're just a week away, by the way, from the last round of the MG Car Club Race Championship at Snetterton. It happens Saturday the 11th and Sunday the 12th of September. All the details are on the motorsport pages at mgcc.co.uk. And we're also excited about the return of the very popular team relay race for cars at Snetterton as well. Now, traditionally, this has always been held at the end of the season once all the championship stuff has been resolved. And it always attracts an eclectic mix of cars. All the details, of course, as ever, on mgcc.co.uk also of course via our weekly newsletter as well and it was on that weekly newsletter that we sent you the link from Snetterton to buy your tickets to go and spectate that fantastic weekend of motorsport you can get them direct from the Snetterton website so if you want to go and see the big showdown the climax of the season for the MG Car Club Race Championship find out who's going to take the trophies who's going to take the crown on the various classes and races we'll find out all there is to know at snetterton next weekend and if you can't be there by the way don't forget as ever we'll be streaming the action live through the mg car club socials on facebook particularly you can watch all of the action from snetterton trackside through our facebook page mg car club just search for mg car club on facebook and you'll find it very easily classic cars have been very busy in the press over the past week and none of us should have been surprised about that this was well documented in the lead up to it we've been expecting it for years and there's been a lot of hype and discussion about this especially on the tv and news outlets especially in some of the more tabloid shaped newspapers and i've got to be honest a lot of scaremongering has been going on and people proclaiming the death of the classic car and all that kind of stuff and this is all as a result of rising ethanol levels in our fuel. And this is because, of course, from the 1st of September, standard fuel is E10. So that's 10% ethanol in the unleaded. And luckily for us, the FBHVC, the Federation of British Historic Vehicle Clubs, of course, that the MG Car Club is a key member of, have been working hard on our behalf to ensure that we have no need to worry and that we can continue to use MGs of all ages for years to come. And it basically breaks down like this. If you've got an older MG, then use E5 protection grade. It's protected by legislation, the supply of E5 protection grade, for at least the next five years. And most areas of the country have a forecourt near you that sells it. But of course, ultimately, fuel systems, hoses, uh, the components that get attacked by ethanol will be upgraded and changed. And of course, already those materials are available to us. 
let's not forget, we've been here before as the classic car movement. 21 years ago, when lead was removed from petrol, people said it was the end of classic cars then, but of course we adapted, and just like then, we'll adapt now, and we'll continue to enjoy our classic MGs on the road to the UK. The main thing is, all you need to know about E10 is on the website, mgcc.co.uk. All the advice you need to make sure that your MG is safe and running is also up there. So just take a look now under the news pages of the MG Car Club website at mgcc.co.uk and there's a full detailed guide into what you need to know about the rollout of E10 fuel. And of course on there, there is also links to the FBHVC pages that have even more detail on all aspects of fuels. And they do a great job, of course, of lobbying government to ensure that we have the freedom to continue to use our cars on the UK's roads. So check it out now, all the guidance, mgcc.co.uk, just click on the news pages there and you'll find it. In MG Motor UK news, some quite exciting stuff's been going on actually, especially in the ports of Britain. Well, Portbury Docks in Bristol, to be precise, and MG Motor have just imported a massive load of cars into the UK, and this far eclipses their import of 2,000 vehicles in August 2020. They've brought in nearly 3,000 MGs into the port in, in August alone, as the brand rapidly grows across the UK, and gears itself up, of course, for a busy September ahead, because it is the arrival of the brand new 71 plate registrations this month. And they are very, very excited about the fact that this breaks all records on the number of cars that they've brought into the UK before. This is their biggest shipment of MGs into the UK. And apparently most of the cars that came into the UK from China were in fact the brand new MG5 long range EVs. Uh, which made its debut last month. So just showing once again that MG not only are a growing brand, but those electric vehicles are the ones that are fueling the demand at the moment. And luckily for us, the best electric vehicles, the most practical, the most affordable, the ones that everyone wants seem to have an MG badge upon them, which is great news. Now this week, we say goodbye to a very dedicated and loyal follower and supporter of the MG Car Club. He was one of our experts, in fact, one of the people that has been part of writing and recording MG history over the years. I am, of course, talking about Graham Robson, whose funeral takes place on the 6th of September. He enjoyed a busy professional life that continued right up until his passing, and Graham Robson wrote over 169 books, many of them on Jaguar, and some published in several other languages as well, countless newspaper and magazine features, and it made him the most prolific motoring author in history. Quantity never affected quality with Graham. His books, mainly covering historic vehicles and rallying, were meticulously researched and well-written. On many subjects, his books are now the standard works. And because of his wide motoring knowledge, Graham was regularly called upon to be MC or commentator at national club events. And I had the great privilege of working with him for many, many years. He was born in Skipton in Yorkshire on the 18th of January 1936. His birthday was the day before mine in January, something we always shared. Clifford was his dad, Kathleen was his mum, and he was an only child. He was educated at a local school and then at Ermistead's Grammar School before going to Lincoln College, Oxford, where he read engineering. 
And it was at Oxford where the love for motorsport really began as he joined the Oxford Motor Club and became involved in rallying. His first job was a graduate trainee at Jaguar in 1957, during which time he was tasked with the design of the exhaust system for the E-Type. His subsequent career became almost perfect training for someone destined to become a leading author. In 1961, he became a development engineer, then competition secretary at Standard Triumph, where he presided over the successful Works TR4 rally campaigns and the victory at Le Mans for the Triumph Spitfire. He worked at Autocar magazine from 1965 and the Roots Group, which of course became Chrysler in 1969, before becoming their chief engineer in product proving. He then had a spell as technical director at Kangol before becoming a full-time independent motoring writer and researcher and author in 1972. He was always very keen to stress the word independent because he always said it couldn't be stressed too highly that whatever his links with the manufacturer of Akari was writing about, his research was always thorough and he never pulled his punches where criticism was due. Once asked what was his most memorable motoring moment, he said, first sight of the Ford RS200, the day it was shown to a privileged few before its public launch. And it was typical of the esteem in which he was held by manufacturers, especially over at Ford, as well as enthusiasts, that he was invariably on that list to see and critique cars before anyone else. Many of Graham's books were about motorsport, perhaps not surprising because he got involved in the sport as a rally co-driver in the mid-1950s, co-driving in, amongst other cars, Sunbeam Rapiers with some of the big names in motorsport at the time. And he said his passion for writing was triggered by writing modest rally reports in those days for motoring news. And he became one of the leading UK co-drivers, competing in works teams and winning the Welsh International Rally with Roger Clark in 1965. He ran Standard Trump's motorsport programme from 1962 to 1965 and then got heavily involved in running many different rally championships for Ford Motorsport. He married Pamela in 1962 and they had two sons, Hamish, who's now a senior design engineer with Toyota Motorsport in Germany, involved in their LMP1 projects at Le Mans and the World Endurance Championship, and Jonathan, who's an experienced landscape gardener in Dorset. He moved to live in a picture postcard village in Dorset in 1981, thereafter travelling widely on business and for pleasure, but always enjoyed coming back to his cottage. Sadly, he lost his wife Pamela in 2014 after a long illness. Graham was recognised by the classic car community in 2018 when he was awarded the coveted Lifetime Achievement Award at the National Car Club Awards held at the NEC in Birmingham. I was very proud to be by his side when he was given that accolade. Graham Robson published more motoring books in the UK than any other author. His most successful and best-known books include a number of Jaguar titles, many of which have become the standard reading for books on those particular models. For me, the news marks the moment where I've lost a very dear friend and mentor in Graham Robson. Uh, he used to tell me off for referring to myself as his apprentice, and he always told me that I was his equal. But for me, it was always a great privilege, and I will always remain proud to have worked with and learned from the very best. We worked in many arenas and did many commentary gigs over the years, up and down the country, all sorts of different venues and events. But we were probably at our happiest doing the Triumph events. Of course, that was the mark for which he had a great passion. 
People used to wonder if we ever rehearsed our double act because we used to get on so well on the microphone and in front of the audience. And I can honestly say we never rehearsed it ever. We used to have five minutes in the bar before and with a cup of tea and a chat about what we wanted to talk about. And then we'd just walk out onto the field and enjoy ourselves. And that was how it became so natural. We genuinely enjoyed working with each other and that chemistry was just out of a mutual love and respect for each other. So when I turn on my microphone and venture out into the next arena that I would normally have done with Graham Robson, it might be without my knowledgeable mate by my side, but I know he'll be looking down on me, supportively correcting any mistakes, as he always did, and of course congratulating my successes, just as he always has done. He always used to say to me when we'd finished a show, was that all right? Was that okay? Was that good enough? And I always used to reply, good show, dear chap, good show. The MG Car Club Podcast. The MG Car Club, the mark of friendship. To take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centers and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go.uk. Sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club Podcast. Well, on this week's MG Car Club podcast, we are crossing the Atlantic Ocean and heading north a bit to Ontario and Jeremy Holdsworth. Jeremy, welcome to the podcast. Hi there, Wayne. Thank you very much for uh, having me on. It's uh, it's a pleasure. I've been a big fan of the podcast ever since I first started listening to you guys last year. And, uh, I'm, you know, I'm excited to be on and congratulations on you know we're into what's this episode 60 60 something isn't it yeah i can't quite believe it myself and uh you know we started that at the very beginning of covid just to try and connect i guess the mg family around the world and uh, i'm guessing from your enthusiasm for what we've managed to do that we've just about achieved that absolutely um as i said i've been tuned in for for over a year now and uh the content just keeps coming along it's it's always a good listen it's it's always good to you know just hear hear mg news and and stories and all that kind of stuff we you know that's something that's sort of been missing from our community up until you guys started it so it's it's absolutely fantastic i'm sure you have loads of fans in canada and throughout north america so well done guys well done on a fantastic podcast you guys have put together well it's fantastic and i can't take all the credit really because really the credit goes to the mg family worldwide itself because it's down to your stories really that the podcast is such a great listen and and what stories we've had uh, over the past 60 odd episodes and i think jeremy this is going to be another one of those highlight episodes because you're here firstly to talk about a fantastic event that you've got coming up in 2022. But before we get to that, and news, by the way, if you are anywhere in the vicinity of North America of this event that you must get to, let's talk about your own MG journey. And, I mean, your old man came over from England, didn't he? Uh, And uh, married into North America. And that was where the MG fascination began. It's been in your family from a very early time. So tell us the story. I fell in love with MGs from my earliest memories. Um, I can remember some of my earliest memories I can remember are sitting in our, our 1955 TF 
Um, my mother's late husband had this car. I think he only picked it up for a couple thousand dollars back in the early 70s. And unfortunately, he passed away and the car sat and it sat in her garage for a few years. And then my dad came along and, you know, he he's an Englishman and he knew a little bit about MG. So he got working on the car and got it back, you know, driving condition. And sure enough, he is an interesting story himself. He was out at a, a local bank and ATM and he noticed a wallet on the ground and he picked it up and he looked inside and he found the driver's license and found the address and he went and you know being a being the good man he is he, he returned the wallet to the address and sure enough that address the the homeowner had an MGB and you know he asked my dad you know I guess my dad got talking and sure enough the, the other gentleman introduced him to the MG Car Club of Toronto. That was in 1985. So I would have only been, you know, probably a, a, just over a year old uh, at this time. And, you know, that's when our family just started going to club events. And, you know, we started adding more MGs. You know, my, my parents got married in 1987. Um they added a 1970 red MGB Roadster, you know, your typical red two-seat Roadster had to have that. So that's what my mom drove. My dad would drive the TF and my mom drove the MGB. And then a couple of years after that, he was in a local automotive bookstore in Toronto. And a gentleman was just happened to be right timing. The gentleman was posting on the bulletin board. You know, this is prior to the internet, mm -hmm. posting a classified ad. And my dad saw him posting it and looked at it and said, MG Magnet for sale. Mm -hmm. And so we ended up, we are the second owners. So we bought it off the original owners of a 1957 ZB Magnet, which we still have in the family. A wonderful car provides you know, provided us with a lot of memories and uh, I look forward to being the caretaker of it for many, many more years. Um, after that, he, you know, he continued. He, he ended up acquiring a beautiful 1969 MGC GT, um, which was restored. It was a gorgeous car. We used to go to long distance events in that. I remember going to MG 1994 in Washington, D.C. with him. And I remember him complaining about it. it was really, really hot. It was a black car. It was, you know, end of June. And then I remember a year later, he cut a hole in the roof. And sure enough, he put a sunroof in it, which he said was just fantastic. Uh, just made the driving experience that much better for long distance events. <laughs> uh, we used to go to the University Motors summer party almost every summer in Grand Rapids, Michigan, growing up uh, that John Twist used to put on. Um you know, going to the to the various Namgar GTs and New England T Register, gathering of the faithful events, and of course North American MGB Register. Um, my father was a founding member of that. That was in I think the winter of 1990. There was a bit of contention. There was already an established MGB group in North America. However, it was not a not-for-profit organization, and there was. Uh, you know, there were some members who were not too pleased, so they ended up forming what's now known as the North American MGB Register. And they had their first convention, their first annual convention in 1992, which my father helped organize in Peterborough, Ontario. 
which uh, we're going to talk about in a minute, we're going back to in 2022 for the 30th anniversary. Um, but a little bit more about my MG background. Unfortunately, my parents split up when I was a teenager, so quite a few of the MGs got sold, but uh, we kept our hands on the magnet. And then years later, my dad was in a new relationship and you know, the, the new lady, Sue, she, she was into the MGs as well. She was, it's wonderful that she sort of embraced our interest and she uh, permitted the addition of a 1997 volcano orange MGF VVC, which is very rare in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, they were never sold in North America, but Canadian import laws have allowed vehicles of 15 years or older to be imported. So we do have our fair share of RV8s and MGFs now. Right. Um, and then just a month ago, I added a, my own red two-seat. You know, my fiancé demanded red. <laughs> so we bought a 1973 MGB Roadster, which I haven't even got my hands on yet because <laughs> I'm up here in northern Ontario and that car's down where I, you know, my permanent residence is in the Toronto area. So looking forward to getting back home and getting my hands on that. That's sort of... A bit about my MG ownership background and my family, but uh, moving forward, I've become more and more active uh, in the MG Car Club of Toronto. I'm now the next generation coordinator for the club. It's a new position that we've just created in the last year. Great. Uh, so I'm the first first person to fill those shoes, and obviously we are promoting MG 2022 in Peterborough as MG 2022, the next generation. We are trying to, you know, just gear the events to fans of all ages. So we're going to have traditional content and uh, some, you know, some stuff that might be more appealing to the younger crowd. Um, and of course so you were part I'm of that younger crowd once because you did send me a picture of you looking very resplendent in your MG t-shirt with your schoolmate Travis. I understand that the pair yeah. of you grew up loving MGs to the point where he's also got one now as well. That's right. Um, Travis, we, we weren't actually schoolmates. It was interesting. Travis grew up two hours away from me. Right. in a small town in southwestern Ontario called Strathroy and his parents still have their 79 pageant blue midget rubber bumper and we would we've known each other since you know literally 1987 I think we met at a local MG Car Club of Toronto event in Niagara Falls and I would see Travis every summer in Grand Rapids Michigan you know it's kind of funny because we both Ontario guys we were both you know, grew up two hours apart from each other, but I'd only ever really see him in Michigan, you know, five hours away. <laughs> but that was our thing. And, and, you know, we grew up and we, we stayed in contact. And yeah, he's got a 1973, he's got an orange V6 conversion that he likes to drive. And uh, yeah, it's just, that's, that's, that's the mark of friendship right there, right? It's, it's wonderful how many people from different backgrounds can connect. Yeah. Um, you know, we've made friends, you know, from, people from so many different backgrounds from all over North America, the UK, um, you know, it's just been, it's been a wonderful way to grow up. It really has. And, you know, I hope that, that many more people get to experience and have good memories the way I do, you know, it's really been such a fantastic part of my life. And I look forward to continuing and, and giving back and, and helping organize and, you know, just being a, a contributor to our community here in North America. 
Absolutely. And there's a very strong point here because if anyone's listening to this podcast, and I'm sure we've all had this moment where you're at a car show, you're at an event or whatever, and, and some kids will sort of approach your car, perhaps a little bit tentatively and sort of peer in. The thing to do at this point is, for goodness sake, open the door, let them sit in it, explain what the car is, let them experience it. Because those of us who are as you say, Jeremy, the next generation. We all started as a little kid looking around cars of our parents and of our parents' friends at car shows. And ultimately, that's what sets the seed for future years, isn't it? And it's really important that we make that accessible to people of all ages. I, I fully agree, Wayne. I think, you know, and I think MG people tend to do a good job of that. I, uh, you know, I'm your typical... MG show, you're not staring at a bunch of multi-million dollar cars. Um, and that's not to say that some MGs aren't worth a pretty penny, but you know, your run-of-the-mill MGB or MGA or T-series car, or I guess more in the UK, the more modern stuff, the post-Abingdon cars, you know, let's get the youth involved. Like I, yeah, I used to sit in the TF when I was three years old pretending to drive it and, and honking the horn and doing that kind of stuff. And that, you know, all of that contributed, you know, cleaning. I remember toothbrushing wire wheels a lot. That's my childhood <laughs> wow. memories is cleaning <laughs> folks with a toothbrush and just, you know, just, I was, I was lucky enough that my dad really exposed me and, and, and really, provided a really good foundation for my enthusiasm. He always encouraged it. You know, he, he was happy to bring me with him. We, sh it's something we share together to this day, you know, so it's, it really is. And I think for all MG people encourage, you know, youngsters. Yes. If you're at a show, if, if someone expresses interest in your car, let them have a, you know, a seat. Mm. Um, please, you know, we, we need to do our best to, to get the next generation encouraged and, and motivated to be enthusiastic about these cars the way we are. Absolutely. And we have great conversations here in the UK about encouraging the next generation and also encouraging people into the MG brand, especially we're so lucky that MG is still in production. They're still making everyday cars. And I think what we need to look at is your typical MG3 or MG6 is the gateway drug to discovering the history and the great cars that go back into the history of MG. And, uh, you know, we have great conversations about encouraging that generation because ultimately we are struggling to encourage younger people into historic vehicles. Is that a, a problem that's uh, very much recognised in your part of the world amongst classic car organisations? Is it at the forefront of people's minds? I think so. I think that's why you've seen, you know, not just with my MG Car Club of Toronto, the local club where I'm the next generation quarter, but you see the North American MGB register with their next generation registrar, who right now is Dave Pauly. And uh, he does a fantastic job. We have a wonderful group chat on Facebook Messenger with, oh, I don't know how big it must be now. I'm thinking 30, 40 even maybe 50 people in there that we just, you know, we have our own little next generation community. And um, yeah, it's definitely, you know, when I go to MG events here in North America, oftentimes I'm, you know, I'm, I'm one of the younger guys there and I'm in my mid thirties. I'm 37 years old now. So I'm not, 
I'm not a youngster anymore by any stretch, but I, there's not too many contemporaries of mine that are that are coming out to this. And, you know, I often get asked, you know, what can we do? And I think really at the end of the day is just keep encouraging the youth, you know, it's, it's, it's show these cars off to your grandchildren now, you know, get them interested. And um, because I, I agree with, with what you said there before, Wayne, it does start when you're young. It's not something that just poof happens overnight. It's, it's cultivated over many years, at least my enthusiasm was. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, you know, moving forward, we've, you know, we've acknowledged that the next generation does need to be considered. And, you know, from my perspective, events like MG 2022, where we'll talk about in a few minutes here, we're, you know, we're, we're trying to focus a little bit more on the next generation. I don't want to say we're trying to take away from the format that's already been successful and proven successful, but we more we want to add to it rather than change it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you know stuff like this podcast is is one amazing way to to connect everybody. Um, Facebook, we've just launched the MG Car Club of Toronto's Facebook group earlier this year, and we've attracted members, and we've had you know good online you know, just content. And, you know, I, I, I recorded, I put a bunch of old club videos that my dad had on DVD and I ripped them onto my computer and, and uploaded them there. And just, yeah, I think social media embracing the internet um, and the podcast and also just coming out to traditional events as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's, there's nothing like getting together with MG enthusiasts and, hanging out in a parking lot full of cars, you know, in a hotel parking lot with a nice cold beer at the end of the day, just chit-chatting about life and MGs. That's, that's where it's at. So as we record this, we are just uh, a few days away from the Triumph and MG weekend, Ken. And I have to say, I am a little bit croaky still because uh, over here in the UK, the young members branch of the MG Car Club joined with the young members of the TR Register because it was a joint mark event and there was serious partying had. And I have to say, I got caught in the crossfire and got sucked into it. I'm not ashamed to say I was up at three in the morning with those guys. Brilliant. And some fantastic friendships made for life, I think, last weekend, even though I'm the bit worse for wear for it and a bit croaky. But that's what it's all about, isn't it? Bringing people together and making these really long-lasting relationships. And often people are so surprised, and I know a lot of people were last weekend, to come along to a classic car event and actually realise that there's a lot more to it than just cars parked in a field. This is about a family, this is about meeting people, it's about a party and a community coming together. And I think if we, we can somehow get that message across that it's more than just cars that's ultimately the secret to success well i I, you echo the words that 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 i often hear is you know from especially from our next generation group we do really enjoy getting together Uh, we have made friendships for life here in north america Um, i do look with admiration across to see what you know the young members branch has been doing uh, and they're, you know, how active they are on social media. I've, you know, we have, we have Kieran Reeds, one of our UK members. He's, he's in our next gen chat in, you know, our North American next generation MG chat. So we do get a bit of, a bit of the insight as to what goes on over there. And uh, one thing, 
One thing I do notice, there is a difference in the way the events are structured uh, from over in the UK. I was fortunate enough in 2017, I got to go to MG Live at Silverstone. I went with my dad. It was his 70th uh, birthday present. So uh, we were actually over there for Father's Day. It was wonderful. Um, fantastic experience, you know, and, and met some wonderful people in the in the Magnet Register and the MGF Register and the MG Car Club. And, you know, it was just a wonderful time. Um, I encourage everyone listening to this podcast, you must get to MG Live at least once in your life. Um, if you are an MG enthusiast of any magnitude, you must go. Um, and then sure enough, in 2019, I was in Norwich for three months doing the airline pilot thing. And I got to go to a number of events over there um, and some local stuff with the Norwich Burbler Club. Shout out to those guys. They were really, really fantastic to get to know and meet. And, you know, they welcomed me with open arms to their pub nights and, I got to go up to the big Harrogate MG Owners Club show, which was, you know, it was fantastic. It was just nice to go to an event in the UK. But the one thing I noticed was the North American events are more hotel focused because the distances to travel are that much greater where, you know, in the UK, I think for some people, they just go to the event for the day and go home in the evening. Mm -hmm. Here, the way we do it is we just stay at the hotel for four days. So we have a daily program and quite a robust evening formal evening program. And you'll often find, as you were saying, you'll find uh, quite a few informal parking lot parties that <laughs> it's, it's not been unheard of that we see the sun come up sometimes, but Hey, we're not at work when we're, when we're on, you know, where we see it as we're on vacation when we're at these shows and we are gathering with friends, as you say, and, and getting together and sharing laughs and it's all in good fun. No one's getting hurt. Um, yeah. We just, we have a blast over here. And I think, you know, if there's one thing that I was kind of missing when I was at MG Live and the bigger events in the UK was that kind of hotel aspect in the evening of just kind of doing the parking lot party. So um, I encourage all you UK guys, come over to our end, come over to our neck of the woods uh, one day and come to a North American MG event and we'll show you a good time for sure. Well, it was definitely less hotel, more tent last weekend, that's for sure. Yeah. Tent and barbecue, that's definitely what it was. Um, but uh, that's absolutely it, you know, and, and getting together and having those parties, those memorable moments is what makes these events so special. And I'm intrigued to know what um, the general sort of uh, attitude towards MGs is in your part of the world, not only just from other classic car fans of the rest of the classic car community but from the public in general when you drive the cars out on the road do people know what they are or are they a bit of an enigma to most i think you know growing up certainly everyone stares at you when you're, like i remember people are driving down the the highways here and people just rubbernecking you as, as they pass you and stuff but i think with with the colonial connections we have the commonwealth connection to the uk that, that there is you know there is a bit of awareness and you know certainly in canada i can't speak to the states i don't i'm gonna assume the states is very you know they've got a huge following i obviously i know you know i have a lot of friends who are MG enthusiasts that I've met over the years who are from America and absolutely huge following down there. Now, in terms of the general public, 
It's tough to say. I think, I think here, anytime someone sees a unique looking car, especially nowadays when, you know, most cars are painted white or black or, or some form of silver or gray, you know, you see a colorful car, it turns heads. So, um, I've gotten comments for sure, just the, you know, nice car and, and, um, you'll get the odd, you know, I used to have one of those kind of thing, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think I, it's tough. I think over here because after Abingdon closed, there was no more sales of these cars in North America. So my contemporaries don't really know what they are. Um, people my age and younger don't really, there's just not much brand awareness for what MGs are and what they mean to to car culture and sports car culture and, and their impact on North American sports car culture as well, because obviously, you know, the TC is known as the sports car America loved first. And, and I do believe that, that, you know, that helped launch, you know, a lot of guys into tuning their own cars and working in their own garages. And, you know, that's, I think that's been a big contributor to the sort of, the tuner, you know, the more Japanese car culture, that's just a natural evolution of what used to be MGBs and British cars. Mm. Well, of course, uh, before America, the MGTC I, I, arrived in America, there were very few imported brands. And really, the MGTC was the car that broke America, not just for MG, but for all those other British sports cars, Triumph, Austin, Healey, Jaguar. They all sort of rode in on the wave of American servicemen bringing T-types back uh, from from the UK when they came back after the Second World War had ended because really there wasn't, as you say, there wasn't that kind of small, accessible, work-on-yourself sports car in America at, at that time. And, um, yeah, it's, a, it's an important accolade, really, for MG. But you've hit on a really interesting point there because, of course, MG brand got pushed through the 90s and the 2000s here. Um, but, of course, America missed out on things like the MGZs 20 years ago. You never had any of that there. That's a stigma that I'm trying to fight over here is the more parochial view with the with the modern MGs. It's, oh, you know, they're not MGs. Well, well, you know, and I say they are MGs. Um just because they're not a British company anymore, it really doesn't matter. We buy so many products from so many other countries. I think it's very narrow-minded and, you know, to, to, to not want to support, um, you know, the current ownership of, of the brand. It's, it's they're, they're excited about the brand. They bought it. They see value in it. Um, and I, I'm excited by some of the concepts. The Cyberster looks pretty cool to me i mean mm. no it's not a retro mgb but we already had that with the rv8 it's it's about moving forward and progress and you know i'm a big supporter of everything that the current company does i wish i wish they came back to north america you know i wish they saw value in in opening up dealer networks and selling their cars here mm. um because i do think mg has a, a wonderful history um and it you know it would be a shame to see it diminish more and more that being said we do still have a, a relatively vibrant scene here in north america we have great support you know from moss motors and some very big parts suppliers um here in north america um you know the the, the local 
the local club scene is robust the national register scene you know we have the mg council of north america that puts on the every five year show which they just did this past summer in atlantic city um so we do still have you know there's certainly nothing's dead over here you know and 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 it's still very much alive and um you know it is becoming you you know you are seeing the average age of attendees at these events skew older um and it's up to us younger guys to to make it known how much fun we're having so that our contemporaries you know see see how much fun this can be and, and want to join in absolutely i don't think it's going to be too long before mgs are being sold in north america once again if you look at their sales figures in europe and across the far east they are outstripping all of their competitors at the moment and the only growing car brand in the uk they are actually making cars people want to buy not only that they are making of course cars that are opening up new technology ev technology to the average man and woman on the street by making it affordable and in many ways there's a lot of comparisons to be drawn with what they did with the p-type midgets in the 1930s they took a rugged little sports car and they created a sports car for the people an actually accessible and affordable route in to owning a sports car if you compare that to what MG are doing now with electric vehicles, it's almost exactly the same. They're finally creating electric vehicles that the normal man or woman can go and buy and that actually want to buy. They're actually applicable for people's everyday lives, well outside the realms of the Teslas and all of the you know upper echelons of electric vehicles at the moment. So a very similar revolution, a different one, but a similar one altogether and I think that will push MG into all sorts of new territories America included um, and a great a great opportunity of course to show that family off and to celebrate together as you mentioned this big event that you have next year and uh, tell us a little bit about the background then it goes back to 1992 in a very special summer on the edge of a very beautiful lake doesn't it yeah it's um we talked about it, touched on it just a bit earlier, the North American MGB Register, which is the largest, uh, let's call it club or regis- register or organization that supports uh, MGBs, MGCs, MG Midgets, 1100, 1300, and all post Abingdon cars here in North America. Um, they are a proud affiliate of the MG Car Club. Um, And of the North American MG Car Council, which is the North American Triple M, New England MGT, and North American MGA Register. So there's all good relations uh, between these organizations that support the various marks of MG. And back in 1990, there there was a void. There there wasn't a not-for-profit member-run organization uh, that did support MGBs. And as I said, members were were not too happy with, with their current organization. And so they decided to meet in uh, the legendary John Twist's workshop in Grand Rapids, Michigan in the winter of 1990. And they formed what is now known as the North American MGB Register. They then decided to host an annual event similar to the New England Tea Register and their, their Gathering of the Faithfuls and the North American MGA Register with their get-togethers, their GTs. Uh, the B register decided, you know, let's do our own. So I guess they 
we're sold on letting the Toronto club host. Um, so I guess my father was involved, you know, right from the get-go with the North American MGP registering. He was one of the only Canadian uh, founding members at the inaugural meeting. And they decided to pick Peterborough, which is a beautiful little city. It's about an hour and 15 minutes, an hour and a half drive just to the east of Toronto. It's on the southern edge of the Canadian Shield. So beautiful scenery, lakes and, and, and trees and rocks. It's very, very scenic MG driving roads to the north. And then to the south, you have, you know, southern Ontario farmland, which is also interesting to explore. Um, so Peterborough was chosen back then. You know, I've, I've obviously spoken to my father quite a bit about their event they had back then. They wanted something outside of the city, you know, Toronto. Yes, it's a tourist destination, but it's, it's, you know, we have a lot of traffic in the city and it would be like hosting an MG event in central London. You know, it, it we just didn't think it was appropriate back then. And, and still to this day, I don't, you know, I don't want to discourage anybody, but it's just, we, we enjoy our events that are, that are outside of the metro areas and Peterborough is it it's a small city it had the hotel space we needed the banquet facilities we needed the car show park that we needed and that's you know apparently back in 1992 unfortunately i didn't get to go i was away at summer camp but my little mg celebrity claim to fame here is that don Hader, who was the guest speaker at that event slept in my my childhood bed in my bedroom that's really? where he was lodged for the for the week or whatever that he was here so there's my little MG celebrity moment. And I remember he left me a very nice handwritten card with a $10 Canadian bill as a, as a tip for using my bedroom <laughs> facility. So brilliant. Um, yeah. So they, so that, so back to Peterborough 92, that was, a, that was the first, but that was a fantastic event from, from every, every video I've seen. And I, I've seen people come up and compliment my father on, on his, you know, participation in organizing the event and, he was part of a big team of guys back then. This was before they had the internet. Um, you know, they would meet every month in somebody's basement and and go over, you know, what they'd accomplished. And just very cool. But they ended up drawing, I think they drew over 400 MGs, which, you know, for North America, it's a pretty good number. And they had a wonderful festival there, you know, and it's – you know, it went down in history as, you know, a fantastic event. And, you know, fast forward 25 or so years later, our local club had the idea to, you know, do the 30th anniversary back in Peterborough. We were, we were lucky enough in 2010, we got to host the national convention in Belleville, Ontario. And the highlight of that was we had access to Shannonville racetrack. So we had a track day. And then 2015, we were the hosts of MG 2015 in Niagara Falls. And the highlight of that was our banquet was at a magic, a dinner magic theater. And the magic show incorporated uh, one of our members, MGBs, into the actual performance. So it was really cool. Um, and They didn't now, saw it in half, did they? <laughs> no, no, no. The MGB is uh, perfectly fine. But uh, it was a very cool, I think it was Lion. I remember a Lion there. And just, you know, it's just a cool setting for an awards banquet. Um, 
ours isn't going to be as exciting, but we do have a very special guest speaker we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but first up, let's uh, talk about MG2022. I want to invite everyone who's listening, uh, no matter where you are, please join us. All MGs are welcome. All MG enthusiasts are welcome. We're promising you a four-day festival of MGs and all things MG-related. Um, we'll start off on the Sunday evening with registration. Actually, we should lead. I should lead into it. The, the weekend that prior to our event, our event is a midweek event. It starts on the Sunday. The MG Vintage Racers Group of North America has announced that they are intending to have their 2022 focus event at Most Sport Raceway, Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, which is less than an hour from Peterborough. Um, so what a perfect sort of way to start what could be an excellent MG adventure because uh, you could do, you know, the, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the racetrack watching MGs and other various vintage racing and other sports where they have triumphs, they have open wheel, they have a wonderful program. It's called the Verac Vintage Grand Prix, if you want to look that up. Um, so that's going on the weekend prior to the start of our event, which starts on the Sunday. We'll kick it off Sunday where we will open registration and we will host a first timers meet and greet where the Namgaber executive will be present and members can come and meet all the executive on, you know, the B register, all the registrars and the executive of our local MG Carcal of Toronto will have some snacks. And then we're anticipating not much else going on, maybe some informal parking lot party activity that, you know, is, is, is not formally promoted, but, Typically at these events, that's what ends up happening in the evenings is most people kick back over a couple cold ones in the parking lots. Monday, we'll have a full program of events. We're going to be having our rally in the local area. Um, we're going to have a Funkana, which is just some fun driving events in a parking lot, maybe some cones or something like that. Uh, in addition, we're going to be having tech sessions ongoing at the hotel all day in the uh, in the meeting rooms. We're going to be having uh, the John Twist rolling tech session. I believe that's actually Tuesday. I don't have the schedule in front of me right now, um, but we have a, a wide array of tech presenters that we have committed to our event. We're very excited about just the, the tech present presenters lineup itself. Um, we're going to have self-directed drives. We're going to do some guided tours. We've got a provincial park book. We've got lift lock tours. Peterborough is famous for its lift locks. It's, it's on a canal system. I think we're also going to be doing some guided tours, some guided drives where we'll drive in some convoys if that's more your thing. Um, and then Monday evening, we're not doing much of a dinner program as of right now. Obviously we haven't finalized everything yet, but we're getting close. Um, but my big thing Monday night is we're actually gonna be formally promoting the parking lot party. Uh, I don't really have too many details on it yet. I have to work it out with the hotel, but what we're hoping for is some sort of tailgate, maybe some burgers and dogs, like you'd see at an American football game, maybe some DJ, some music in the parking lot. And uh, yeah, we'll just you know get together and have some fun. Tuesday will be much the same as Monday's program with the tech presenters. Uh, I think John Twist tech session is Tuesday. The rolling tech, which is always very popular. 
Um, we're planning, we haven't finalized it yet, but we're planning something very cool for the next generation. We're planning the Haggerty sponsored shift school, uh, where if you don't know how to drive a manual transmission car, or we're trying to work on something with Haggerty, the insurance company to provide shift school on the Tuesday. Nice. I like that. And that's, that's something that might seem a bit alien to UK listeners, but of course, most cars in America are automatic. Not quite the case here in the UK, but an interesting one, that, because I think that's going to have to grow across the world as electric vehicles, which don't have gearboxes, take over and generations of drivers come through. So, brilliant idea. I'm liking that. Fantastic. Well, they do say uh, manual transmissions, the millennial anti-theft device. So. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, so we're going to try to offer something like that. Um, again, tours of the local area, the lift walks, uh, the parks, uh, we'll have, you know, we'll have suggestions. If you want to do your own thing, if you want to go explore on your own, we'll have some good suggestions for sites of interest. Uh, then Tuesday evening, we are planning an offsite barbecue at Lang Pioneer Village, which is, you know, a, a 1800s, 1900s turn of the century village where they have, you know, reenacting going on and tours and, we're planning a dinner out there and then back to Peterborough for pub night, trivia night on Tuesday, uh, where we've organized with a local uh, pub that's within walking distance of the, the host hotels uh, for some pub night action on the Tuesday. And then Wednesday, of course, is the big car show where we will be celebrating the 60th anniversary of the MGB. Uh, we will have, hopefully, I'm hoping for a few hundred cars. Um, COVID's kind of been a little bit hard to work around. We've sort of budgeted for for a lower number, but we're hoping that you know COVID kind of shows us its backside, and and next summer is going to be wide open. Um, so we're hoping we're going to have quite an assembly of MGs. Um, all MGs are invited. There will be classes for T series and MGA. Our our magnet should be there. Um, so yeah, you know, don't please don't feel that this is an MGB only event. This is open for all MGs. Um, beautiful, beautiful location we have picked up for the car show. It's the same one we used in 1992. It's it's called Nichols Oval Park. It's the local rugby oval, and we have a wonderful amount of big, tall maple trees that provide a wonderful amount of shade. And that was one of the top comments I remember in 1992 was. People just loved the setting of the car show yeah. uh, amongst the trees. So we're going to go back. We're going to, you know, what, if it, if it works before, let's do it again. So we're recycling that we're recycling the host hotel. It's the same host hotel that was used in 1992. We're at the holiday in Peterborough waterfront, uh, which is, you know, spitting distance from the downtown town center uh, with its shops and restaurants. And, you know, it's, it's really is a, it's a cute little town. Um, but yeah, back, like Nichols Oval, we can't think of a better place for a car show. Uh, we're going to have, hopefully we're going to have some, you know, a DJ there playing all the British Invasion, maybe some food trucks. Um, yeah, it's just going to be a good, you know, a good day um, for the people who aren't aren't interested in the car show. Our Navigators program is organizing. I think they've got a tea planned, like an afternoon tea. Uh, so we'll do the car show you know, morning to afternoon. And then typically we go back to the hotel and everyone jumps in the pool or has a cold beverage and uh, gets 
prepared for the awards banquet that evening. Um, again, we're, we're going to be recycling things a bit. So it was my dad who was the MC in 1992. So he's agreed to uh, reprise his role. So he's going to host the evening. Um, and we're going to have a very special guest speaker. I can't announce who it is. I really want to. Um, but we, we aren't quite at the level yet where we can actually make a formal announcement. But I will say we do have, you know, a written commitment. Um, and I'll give a little snippet. He has been a guest on this program before. Ooh. But that's all, that's all I'm willing to say. Okay, I excellent. As soon as you have got that confirmed, uh, you'll have to come back on, Jeremy, and announce it to the world via this podcast. Promise to do that for us. I will be more than happy to come back on this podcast and talk about MGs anytime with you, Wayne. Brilliant. Um, I mean, at this point, I would normally be coming up with my very clever concluding question and sum up, but actually I've been far too busy booking flights so I can come and join you in 2022, as I'm sure everyone else has done listening to this. So uh, if people are listening across the world, maybe in the, here in the UK, maybe across Europe, maybe even further afield than that, wants to come across to Ontario and join you in that lovely setting of Peterborough to join with the MG Car Club of Toronto and the North American MGB Register, where can they find out all the details and more information? Right now we have our a web page up and running. It's www.mg 2022.org.org. Um, it's just a page for now. I've put our latest update on there. I'm just providing a bit of a summary of where we're at in terms of, of planning. We're planning to firm up our schedule of events this late, late summer, early fall in anticipation of opening up registration late autumn, um, probably late December or sorry, late November, early December. Um, but for now, mg2022.org, keep your eyes on the website. We've got our forum up and running on the mgexperience.com. We have a Facebook event page set up. I post updates regularly on the North American MGB Registers Facebook group and the MG Car Club of Toronto's Facebook group. And you can also email if you have any questions. I'll give... Uh, our event email is mg2022 at mgtoronto.com. So if you do have any specific questions and you wanted to reach out to the organizers, um, you know, you can get in touch with us that way. Other than that, as I said, just keep your eye on the website. Uh, we should be opening registration later this year, just, you know, late, I'm going to say late fall, even maybe early winter. Um, we're hoping to open up registration. You will not be able to book any hotel rooms prior to registering for the event because mm -hmm. uh, we have had many, many issues before of people going ahead and, and just booking their own rooms. So the hotel rooms are blocked. You will have to register for the event to gain access to the hotel booking. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, we're looking forward to having everyone. It's, you know, we've, we've kind of suffered through COVID here quite a bit. We didn't have anything going on last year or really this year it's only lately our local clubs had a couple of drives um we weren't able to go to atlantic city calgary was canceled last year so we're just really looking forward to welcoming everybody back with open arms it's been ages and i can't wait to see everybody 
I'll see you guys all in Peterborough. Sounds like it's going to be a tremendous event, and already I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I'm going to have to find a way of getting over somehow. It's going to be fantastic. So we'll put all the links that Jeremy shared with us there on the podcast description part of the podcast page, of course, at mgpodcast.uk, so you can click through from there. And it's great to see that the focus of this event, Jeremy, is the next generation. As you look forward now for the next 10 years and the MG community in North America. Where do you see it going? How do you see its health? How do we keep our cars on the road against increasing pressure uh, from you know, our, our environmental commitments, I guess? Where do you see the future well, going from now? I think it's important that we support, first and foremost, we support our local and national clubs. I think it's important that we do pay our membership dues. Um, I think it's important we don't ask what we can get out of the membership, but what we can do to promote the membership. Um, it's one of those things where you get out what you put in. So I find doing, you know, helping out with some organization and doing putting in some work is really, really rewarding. Um, we need to keep encouraging, you know, people like myself, the next generation, new voices, giving giving younger guys roles of responsibility uh, to carry the torch forward. I think very, very most important of all is we need to support the MG car company as it currently is. We can't have this old parochial attitude that they are not MGs anymore because they're not British and, you know, they're not sports cars, yada, yada, yada. I don't have time for that. I'm interested in positivity. And if you have a, you know, an MG ZS EV or you're lucky enough one day to have a Cyberster or something cool like that or anything, you're, you're going to be welcome in my circles and you'll be welcome at any, any MG event that I'm helping to organize with open arms. So yeah, I think just keep on embracing what, what the, what the manufacturer is producing now and into the future. Let's keep supporting MG. It doesn't matter where they're based. It, it really, it's irrelevant, you know, what matters is that they're still producing cars and it's up to us to support them and, and continue being enthusiastic about them. Absolutely. I can add no more to that. Fantastic words. A fantastic event coming in 2022. So Jeremy Holdsworth, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Wayne. Thanks for having me. Subscribe to receive new episodes of the MG Car Club podcast at mgpodcast.uk.